quick content warning for today's episode. Um, We'll be talking about police brutality very lightly and very briefly, but it is a part of this episode, especially as we will be discussing land defenders, water protectors. Um, Yeah, so if any of that is difficult for you, you might want to just check in next week with us. Thank you so much. Hello. It is Ty. (laughs) Welcome to Before We End. Um, I'm one of your hosts, and I just got back to Montreal, and I'm excited to be back. Mm -hmm. Um, I am Shelly. I'm your other host, and I have always been here in Montreal, (laughs) so that's been nice. (laughs) Um, And today, we have a special guest again. Um, We're super excited to introduce them. Um, I think we're going to introduce them, and then we'll do a quick little check-in. It's going to be, what color are you feeling right now? Mm -hmm. Which is the check-in that we did in our, like first podcast episode and we wanted to carry it on throughout the podcast but we just like kind of dropped it and never like used that check-in ever again oh yeah i totally forgot about yeah that. remember <laughs> we were like oh my god this is gonna be like our like check-in for all the podcast episodes yeah. and then we like never did it but we're gonna bring it back because yolo mm-hmm. um would you like to introduce yourself or would you like us to introduce you sure i can introduce myself yeah. Uh, my name is M. I use she, they pronouns, and I'm really happy to be here. Uh, so M, uh, she, they pronouns, is a student who spent much of the summer in so-called Minnesota this, uh, on the front lines of the fight against Line 3, which is a massive pipeline project. So Amazing. welcome, M. Welcome! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so would you like to start with our um, check-in question to remind you? It is, what color are you feeling right now, and why? And why? That's the hard and part. We, we like, <laughs> and we like to get very specific with our okay. We're like a sage green. <laughs> yeah, get us creative with descriptions. Exactly. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay. I wish I was a more artistic person. I feel like I would have the vocabulary for this more. But I'm going to say like a deep violet. Ooh. Is that a color? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Color. I'm going to go with the deep like violet. Violets. Here. <laughs> yeah, I feel like my go-to would be like a green or a blue usually. But the deep violet, there's just like a lot of passion mm. in the circles that I'm running in right now. Like mm. go, go, go. But in like a good centered way so i think that's a right. good thing it's also stressful it's like an intense color right that's what i'm feeling there's a lot of intensity and it has it, it, i like that because it has like kind of the like softness but also it is a very it can be very intense mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. the soft power we love that. <laughs> exactly amazing mm-hmm. shelly um, I would say I'm feeling quite yellow today um, mm. because I'm feeling quite excited about some things, um, but I also feel a little nervous and stressed about things as mm. well. But not like too stressed, just a minor stress. Yeah. Mm. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. I am feeling light blue. Mm-hmm. Why, you may ask? <laughs> because, I don't know, I feel like there's just been like so many things that have been stressful, but I feel like 
today I don't feel as particularly stressed by them. Like my computer was literally jacking up and like making the crate, like doing the craziest shit. And I was just like, it's fine. It's going to be good. Like I just like for some reason, like was not stressed about it at all, but it was just like, and it, it's fine now, but like, yeah. So I feel like just stressful things have been happening, but I feel un, I'm bothered by them. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this. Um, so yeah, anyways, let's talk a bit about you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we have um, here to talk about um, like your frontline work, but not just your frontline work um, at line three. Um, I guess, could you, do you want to just start? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm happy to talk like a tiny bit about like what line three is in general. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for the audience. Yeah, and especially if, like, it's more Canadians, like, it's definitely an American project that maybe Mm -hmm. is more in American circles. Mm -hmm. Um, But Line 3 is a pipeline project that is actually currently, as of a few weeks ago, has been technically completed. So oil is flowing through the pipeline right now from the Alberta tar sands classic. Canadians are familiar. Mm -hmm. From the Alberta tar sands all the way down kind of like southeast if you can picture that all the way to Wisconsin okay. so through that it goes through Minnesota if you can picture that right yeah because Minnesota is right south of the Canadian border um and all the way through there um is flowing tons and tons of tar sands which as we know is the dirtiest type of fossil fuel that can possibly be dug up um and with that the um the amount of emissions coming through that is equal to about 50 coal-powered power plants. Mm. So that's like an insane amount. It's more than Minnesota is putting out as a state right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, there's just so many reasons why pipeline projects are harmful, as Canadians are probably familiar with the fights going on against the Coastal Gas Link pipeline. Mm -hmm. And um, the company that is actually putting Line 3 and has put Line 3 in the ground is a Canadian company. So this is very much like a a North American issue, even though I was in the U.S. uh, with the front lines, just because Minnesota was sort of the last stand against putting this pipeline in the ground. Mm. Um, So... Line three is a problem for many reasons. The most important is like the tar sand, mm-hmm. not most important, excuse me. The most prominent that's put out there is the tar sands issue. Mm-hmm. But um, importantly, it's also an issue of indigenous sovereignty as yeah. with the coastal gas link pipeline. Um, pipelines are going through indigenous treaty territory. Treaty of 1855, I believe, is the treaty that the treaty lands that were protected where, where mm-hmm. I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but with pipeline projects, there's also massive issues of missing and murdered indigenous women and relatives that go on um, because of the man camps that are there. Like in order to build the pipeline, there's lots of issues with human trafficking. Um, not to mention that pipeline spill you know as we just saw I don't know if you if you both saw in the news I think it was two weeks ago or last week there was a huge pipeline oil spill on the coast of California Mm -hmm. and Enbridge the company who's built it who has built line three 
was responsible for the biggest inland oil spill in United States history um, a few decades ago. So we know they're not responsible. Mm -hmm. We know the pipeline spill. We know that this is releasing horrible things into the water and to the air and to the land. Um, So this is really just not a good project. And it was really heartbreaking and infuriating to know that oil is currently flowing through it Mm -hmm. um but the fight against line three this summer and for years i mean it started many many years ago in many different avenues Mm -hmm. um is critical to it just the entire fight against the project is critical to indigenous sovereignty and to our livelihoods and just Mm -hmm. against the climate crisis at large so that's kind of like the most simple overview i can give i think of like the project and why I believe it's harmful and why so many other people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of elements to it, but, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, and, and I'm just for context, I'm not indigenous. I'm a white settler. I'm from the U S originally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely had a very different experience, um, with this project than many other people did. Like I had the luxury of being able to just, you know, pick myself up and, leave mm-hmm. the front lines yeah. whereas the people that were at the center of this fight the leaders of this fight are people whose land this pipeline is now on mm-hmm. and they don't have the luxury of just picking up and leaving like they are there that's their homelands that's their their livelihood that's being threatened that is mm-hmm. threatened so yeah. i just wanted to give that important context to yeah, 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 yeah. The people living, mm-hmm. uh, listening where in the u.s are you from i'm from the chicago area originally actually i well, I wasn't born in the Chicago area. I'm actually originally born in Israel, so called Israel, Palestine. Yeah. So uh, lots of two very yeah. non-controversial <laughs> countries <laughs> that I'm from. <laughs> Super chill. <laughs> no one has any problems with those two countries. Um, no, those two countries no. being the U.S. and Israel. Super chill. Yeah. Um, <sighs> so that. Yeah, so I'm originally from the U.S., which is actually not too far from where I was in Minnesota. Right. It's both, like, Midwestern, mm-hmm. which is actually kind of an interesting element of it because the Midwest sort of has this, uh, like, reputation of being nice and kind. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, people think of the South as being, like, the racist region of the U.S. or oh, whatever it yeah. is. and then, But the Midwest is kind of, like, the, similar to the Canadian passive-aggressive sort of racism, <laughs> you know? Right. Where yeah. it's like slightly under the radar, but like definitely there. And mm-hmm. the sorry, sorry forgive me, but give me like a few states that are in the Midwest. Sure, I always sure, forget sure, like sure. What, what constitutes uh, the Midwest. I, honestly, honestly like, call, I'm just confused with US <laughs> in general. Honestly, you could ask someone from California or New York; they also wouldn't be able to okay. to list off the Midwestern states. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. slightly debatable. It's kind of. Like Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, right. Minnesota, mm-hmm. Ohio, Miss- okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Indiana, mm-hmm. home right. of Mike Pence. <laughs> like that kind of gives you some context. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, do you want to go into a bit about your experience being there? Sure. I can do that. Um, I guess also like how, how did you decide to go? Okay. Right. That's actually yeah. Yeah, because also it's interesting um, that you like decide to like fly over there as Mm -hmm, well. mm -hmm. um, So yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, So I have to give total credit to my roommate because she's the one that um, 
got us linked to people who were already involved with the front lines. Mm -hmm. Something that was really important to us and for other people coming in as outsiders was not to just plop in, you know, like yeah. NGO style, yeah. imperialism style. Like yeah. we didn't want to just like plop in. We wanted to go with a group that was already integrated and already had mm. connections on the ground. Yeah. Um so full credit to my roommate. Um she ended up finding a group of people who were from like outside of the Twin Cities, which is like the biggest yeah, cities yeah, in yeah. Minnesota. Um she ended up finding a group of people around our age that had already been integrated into the front lines and we ended up linking up with them they were kind of giving an open call to people who hadn't been up before like hey this is a group we're going up to the front lines together as young people to um and it was also helpful to have other people to reflect with that were new to the experience because it's like really emotionally intense yeah um so we went and joined this group of people um coming up from outside of minnesota outside of minnesota outside of the twin cities Um, And that was in June of this year. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, this is also like three or four years into the fight against Line 3. You know, it takes place in many different spheres. Uh, We just happen to be in the front line sphere, but there's fights going on in the legal sphere, both Mm -hmm. in U.S. courts and tribal courts. Um, there's huge fights in the legal sphere. There's huge fights, um, like at in like the more political centers of power. So like the Capitol, the Army Corps of Engineers, like environmental regulation organizations. Um, so the front lines is just like one aspect, and everyone kind of went into the summer knowing that this was kind of going to be like a really important summer in the fight. Sorry, was it this summer or yeah, 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 right? Yeah, it was summer 2021. Everyone knew this was going to be important because by the time when we arrived at line three, it was already like partially completed because like it was already completed down from Canada. It was getting completed in parts of Wisconsin and Minnesota was kind of like the last stand in that way. Um, and part of it is because it had to cross over 200 waterways in Minnesota, which is like a huge risk. Like that's people's livelihoods. And not to mention one of those waterways is the Mississippi River headwaters, which goes down the entirety of so-called United States and Mm -hmm. just goes so many tributaries, so many people's water sources is the Mississippi River. Not to mention there's some really sacred like areas in the water and on the land through Minnesota, um, specifically connected to the water. Um, The Anishinaabe um, grow their manumen, which is like a wild rice variety that's Mm -hmm. really important to Anishinaabe livelihood and culture and spirituality and all those things. So Minnesota is like the last stand for a lot of reasons. Of course, it's going through indigenous territory in other areas, but Minnesota is an interesting place for for this to take place in general. Um, So sorry, I was saying about how I went up there. It was June 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, And we ended up, we were kind of at a larger gathering um, with a lot of people. And then we ended up at one of the many resistance camps on the front lines. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the resistance camps are all along the pipeline in like strategic areas. Okay. Um, and each of them has sort of like different levels of security, different levels of like how much is public to 
to the area. It's like kind of it's different than places like Fairy Creek where it's all centralized in one yeah. place for the most part because mm-hmm. they're like protecting one area. Right. When it's a pipeline project, they're kind of like at different points, points. along the pipeline. So like yeah. there were resistance camps that were like a good few hours away from us, oh, even wow. though we were also we were all fighting right. line three. Mm-hmm. Um so I ended up at one of them and ended up staying there for for much of the summer and met some really amazing people and that resistance camp was sort of um like a place where it was it was a community it was a place where things were planned um it was run by um an indigenous women to spirit led collective um so the camp that i was at was largely like all most of the strategic decisions were decided by this collective mm-hmm. whereas other resistance camps it was more geared towards um like more people were involved in the decision making like more non-indigenous people i should say mm. um so that was kind of a unique experience at the at the place that i was at and that then that camp had been around for for a while like there were people there who had lived there for okay. a few years so yeah, me coming right. in for a few months was like not like I wasn't a long timer, yeah, or like yeah. a long term, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so that's kind of like where I where I was, and this was all based in essentially Trump country. Mm. So we're in, even though you think of Minnesota, well, at least Americans think of Minnesota as a pretty liberal, yeah, yeah. exactly, like a pretty liberal state. It's just like just like Canada, where you have like big cities that are liberal that overtake the rest of it, like mm-hmm. Ontario or like other places right. like that, and then. Um, the rest of it is very, very much like a conservative place. Mm-hmm. And it's it's super, like the fight against Line 3 is super intense even when you're just walking or driving because you can't walk, can't transit anywhere because it's mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, like you see how local of a fight it is. There's signs that say, like in support of Line 3, there's signs that say that are against Line 3. Okay. Uh, like across oh. from the jail that we that we I spent a lot of time outside of, there's like a sign against Line 3. So it's not only tension with the law enforcement, but it's also tension with... Like, I, I didn't... And this is me as a white person again. Like, yeah. I, I can't speak for people of color who were there, but I... Even myself, I felt uncomfortable a lot of the times being in in town, as we called Mm. it, um, doing grocery runs or whatever, um, because it's... Right. I mean, especially because, like, you can tell that I'm out of town, you know, there's not that many femme people with short hair, like, Mm. queer, you know, like, that kind of thing. You can tell pretty quickly who's an in-towner and who's not. Okay, so, um, do you... would anyone, um, I guess you didn't, but like, would anyone actually be approached by someone in town and like, uh, get maybe some aggression or something like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, a really common thing that happened was just getting pulled over by the police if you looked like you were from out of town or if you had a license plate that was from out of town. Oh. So I had an Illinois license plate. Um, and so that was, I was like an easy target for that. And that's one of the court cases that I'm dealing with right now it has to do with oh. a citation that I received that I probably wouldn't have received if I had had, if I had looked like I was from there, or like they, they wouldn't have been able to track me as easily or had a okay. license plate. Yeah. And then of course that's exacerbated by people who are like, 
visibly non-white and that sort of thing because you're like oh you're definitely not from out of town like that kind of thing yeah yeah um and of course this is all taking place in the context of covid so you can also tell who's a townie and who's not because you know when we went in stores we were usually the only people wearing masks and like that kind of thing (laughs) um so like for example i did a lot of grocery runs for camp um buying like 50 pounds of potatoes and like that kind of thing and um that also made us pretty visible and the mask thing like somebody i walked into a grocery store with a friend once somebody was like oh you're scared of something like with your mask on and like and even though it was clearly directed towards the mask like i didn't know what that person was thinking like that's a scary thing to say and um again this is probably like i had the luxury of like putting on different clothes and Mm -hmm. feeling like I was safer whereas other people like didn't have that luxury Mm -hmm. um especially indigenous folks who are from that area like they experienced that sort of harassment and racism like as like that's just integrated into the livelihood in that area so again like just want to acknowledge that because like just coming in this is my observation as an outsider Mm -hmm. um so uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I guess speaking more f- like about um, like the work itself, sure. or also um, if you're comfortable, like I guess what was the circumstances of like you getting arrested? Sure. Um, yeah. So I would like to clarify. I actually, even though I have ongoing court cases right now, because of some weird circumstances mostly being the fact that I had access to a car and was like that was a big part of my role was like driving people Mm -hmm. I actually didn't spend any time in jail whereas like the vast majority of people around me did at one point or another um and I still have the same citations and charges that they do it's just another method of state repression in this case was like they didn't need to arrest people for what they were doing. Mm-hmm. It was just a method of scaring people and like a state tactic. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I have the same exact charges as people who were put in jail for one day or more days or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so they didn't have to arrest them. They weren't a threat to society. It was a misdemeanor charge, which is like the lowest oh, ranking charge you can okay. have. And that's the kind of charge that people like get like, like myself, got cited for and just go and go to court the next day and don't have to put people in jail for that. Mm-hmm. And it was solely a method of, like, intimidation. What type of things, like, what are, like, what would be a misdemeanor charge? Yeah, um, so there's lots of types. Sometimes they make things up, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but some really common ones would be public nuisance, which basically means right. that the police decided that you're a public nuisance. Yeah, like, who <laughs> dictates what public yeah. nuisance means. Yeah. Like, unlawful assembly. Again, something that is super subjective. Like, yeah. what is an unlawful assembly? Um, and something that's also important to note is that as the summer went on, even in the short period of time that I was there, you would see people start to get higher and higher charges for the same action okay. that they were taking. So, like, when right. I started in the summer people who were like a a lot of what happened direct action wise and for people that don't know what direct action is like nonviolent direct action is basically like doing something physically to um like disrupt something harmful that's happening so in this case it was like construction or like moving equipment or like that kind of thing and in the case of pipeline work 
oftentimes it's locking someone down to a piece of equipment or blockading a certain area. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for example, like, the person locking down is kind of like the tip of the iceberg, right? And there's, like, a million other people that have to be there to make that happen and make sure that happens as safely as possible for that person. Mm -hmm. So... When I first started in the summer, somebody who was, like, supporting a lot person who was locked down would be getting, like, a misdemeanor or a gross misdemeanor, which is, like, the step up. And then by the time I left during the summer, those per- those people could be getting multiple gross misdemeanor charges or even a felony charge. Oh, my what? God. So it's, it's so clear that the charges were purely for like state repression and so-called law and order whatever that means to you you know we know what that means like especially after the summer of 2020 uprisings like Mm -hmm. the use of law and order as a weapon against people trying to fight for their freedom is like so obvious and this is a super obvious case of that um a really important thing that also came up was felony charges um was something that they used in felony charges which is coming up a lot in pipeline work (laughs) is um actually calling it a felony based on theft or interruption of like critical infrastructure and the critical infrastructure sorry this sounds like legal jargon but it's actually yeah really important because people who are fighting pipelines all across the u.s this is coming up in Mm -hmm. other states where Mm -hmm. people are fighting pipelines they're getting felonies for like uh, they're calling it theft because you're stealing their time and in this case, time is money because you're stopping Whoa. the infrastructure. Oh, and the critical God. infrastructure, even though you're not hurting anyone, like everything is nonviolent. That's so interesting. It's not even like, like you're stealing not like, equipment. You're not stealing equipment at all. You're stealing like the critical, like, oh their time with the God. critical infrastructure. Whoa. And it, I know, that's why yeah. it's, <laughs> it's mind blowing. And the element of time is so interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And like time is money. And wow, especially in this case, when they're using, especially the waterways, this is why it's important because the mm-hmm. waterways require really, really expensive pieces of equipment to drill under it, right. quote unquote, safely, even though there were spills when I was there. Like, people know that these mm-hmm. things happen, right? Um, the infra- the equipment is that's under there they need to rent for like thousands and thousands of dollars an hour so if you stop it for like 3 hours you're you're like they call it stealing money from them because you're stealing their time that they've rented that equipment um. so it's like it's like I feel like when I started talking about this, it like starts like legal jargon or whatever, but it's super important because that's what Enbridge and the prosecutor mm-hmm. in these counties are are calling it. They're saying like, no, you're stealing our time. This is wrong. And it's a felony charge, which is like the highest level of charges that you can be charged in the United yeah. States. So yeah. it's crazy. And yeah, that's so interesting because it's also like this like legal jargon, I guess, really opens up the understanding of really the philosophies of capitalism in a lot of ways like time wise like that's so fascinating exactly yeah that's that's (laughs) i'm really passionate about this because okay i i've been thinking about this a lot lately and Mm -hmm. kind of i think the easiest way to think about it is like four quadrants if you don't mind um there's like the repression side and there's the resistance side and both are sort of using time as a tool to get what they want. Right. And can so, you articulate the difference? 
like, or just talk about what that means? Yeah. So the repression side is, like, how the state is using time as a weapon. Okay, right. The resistance side is, like, how indigenous-led land movements are using time as resistance. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. And there's both internal and external elements. So, like, an external element for the repression side would be like threatening people with doing time like in jail right and that's a weapon because right. and, like, like if you're stealing their time exactly time, right? exactly or like yeah. even putting them in jail even for a misdemeanor charge or any charge for that matter like i'm mm. like i'm the big i don't believe in prisons and like that yeah, kind of yeah, thing. yeah. Like, yeah. no good no good not fun mm. to see your friends like kidnapped off the street essentially and yeah. like put in jail yeah. so like that's a weapon uh like the external element and then mm-hmm. on the other side people are using time uh like taking back their time mm-hmm. you know and it like right. it really connects to the politics of emotion and stuff like that too where it's like we're gonna resist by taking your time and locking down to this equipment so you can't work you can't destroy our livelihoods even if it's just for a few hours mm-hmm. right and i'm thinking about how so much um because I, I guess, like, the way that the system works is on a very specific standardized time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like so much of the way that colonialism works is really through controlling oh. and managing time mm-hmm. through, like, you know, like, it started with, like, train schedules and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but it goes all towards, like, 9 to 5, the way the time is structured in yeah. these, like, increments, etc. Um, but, yeah, I'm even thinking about, like, how, like, a lot of, um, you know, really successful resistance movements oftentimes are like blocking highways and all these different things that really disrupt the flow of time the productivity right yeah exactly Um, the way that capitalism is operating with time yeah that's so interesting interesting. because also like thinking about like the long-term effects of those external internal things too like having a essentially like a criminal record yeah being like um you know disrupting your time in the future like in your life and then also um the resistance side like taking back their time uh like their future essentially of like these waterways their safety and their um like long time long-term livelihood exactly yeah and there's also a lot of work that happens within resistance camps to mm-hmm. like do healing work and other things like that yeah. which is critical and again like an in- it's anti-capitalist in nature because we're not supposed to take time to heal mm-hmm. from these things we're supposed to just keep going and keep being productive and whatever that means um but the collective that the camp the, the collective that ran the camp that I was at was really was really insistent upon taking time to address things as a community like within the community and that sort of thing which I was not used to you know like I've worked yeah. for like nonprofits and stuff like that where mm-hmm. they use the lingo of self-care and that mm-hmm. kind of thing but right it doesn't actually happen it's just like right. surface level stuff and this was like really like no we're gonna take two hours out of this day even though we're doing this super critical thing we're going to take two hours because it's important that we take the time to heal ourselves and heal our community and make this a community that resembles the world that we want to see essentially that's so beautiful it really it really is and i can't take credit for any of it i'm just like trying to articulate it the best that i can um um just to like see what that looks like um like i guess what would you do in those two hours yeah um, i mean it just depended on like community needs to be honest okay so like 
for and also I wasn't a part like I'm sure I wasn't a part of a lot of it because mm-hmm. a lot of what happens at camp you just don't know about like kind of for mm-hmm. security culture yeah um but for example if somebody was feeling uncomfortable about another person's like actions if they were feeling like threatened or unsafe or oh, something like yeah. that yeah. there would be like a community discussion about how we can address that like accountability measures that aren't like traditional methods of like punishment yeah, or just yeah. like kicking like, out and like policing ex- yeah. policing yeah. exactly like what is a way that we can hold each other accountable that's not cracking down in the way that we see in the outside world the outside world is a bad way to put it in yeah, the yeah. mainstream world yeah um but that's just like an example of something that I witnessed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure that, like I said, I'm sure there's lots of other ways that that manifested itself that were just I didn't have access to mm-hmm. or wasn't a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm thinking so much about how, um, you know, healing is really about the past in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I've just been thinking a lot um, and been doing a lot of reading on, you know, the temporality of colonization and capitalism and how in so many ways it's really um the past that accumulates you know like Mm -hmm. i think that within like these like systems like you know like i mean everyone like i guess talks about this now but it's like these like points in time or not points in time but things that continue to like Mm. accumulate in the present and get bigger and bigger and bigger and denser yeah um and just, yeah, I don't know, thinking about healing, too, as a necessary part of entangling that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to. And, like, especially people who are in, I mean, everyone, but especially mm-hmm. people who are in organizing spaces where you're constantly surveilled, you're constantly doing emotionally intense things. Yeah. Even just thinking about the climate crisis for, like, hours <laughs> of a day is, like, yeah. insane yeah, to think yeah, about. And, like... Yeah. I think it's impossible to keep going if you don't have that kind of healing work being done as you're it's kind of like it's kind of like doing dishes while you're like while you're cooking like you need to keep doing it otherwise it piles up maybe that's a crude way to put it but like yeah that's actually a really fun and it builds community and that's why you have I think that's why you have this vision of like the organizer as a young 20 something because then a lot of times they burn out because there's so much on your plate and it was really really amazing to learn from people who were like intergenerational connections with regards to organizing that had found a way to make this sustainable Sustainable, right yeah that's so great because I'm even asked like I asked like what the the two hours of like healing looks like because I'm literally thinking like um yeah you're right like all of these like nonprofit or like Mm -hmm. other like organizing spaces like they do talk about like self-care and taking days off and Mm -hmm. blah blah blah. but then like um in reality like it doesn't really happen and like and I feel like uh so many of us like pray like preach like self-care and like taking time for yourself but then doesn't don't even know what to do in that time and like uh, what that looks like um and I feel like even I like struggle to know what that looks like sometimes you know totally it's a learning experience (laughs) yeah and we're we're we also talk about this a lot on our podcast but I'm even thinking about you know I think I think like activist work that is like purely um 
is purely stuck within a resistance can mm-hmm. be like exhausting you know yeah. like that burnout can be very real because it's mm-hmm. like you're constantly having to be faced with everything that's wrong and yeah. what needs to be fixed and all these different things but I really like that you 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 know mentioned that community and healing aspect because I think it also is like I don't know like I feel like we need to really be able to, like, feel the possibility of what a better world feels like. Because it's, like, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like just, like, continual resistance all the time is just, like, puts us oftentimes in the negative, like, what we're opposed to, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think that, like, it's really magical to, like, tap into, like, oh, okay, so, like, this is what we're moving towards. This is what it feels like, you know, feeling the possibility now, you know? Mm -hmm. Um... Because otherwise, I sometimes I feel like, and I, I definitely get in this too, where I'm constantly like stuck in this future of like, okay, so this is all that we need to change to get yeah. to this future. And it can just be really, um, like not attached to the present moment, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because also like, I mean, um, we've talked about, I've talked about this in the previous episode, or maybe it wasn't a deleted episode, but like, um, basically, I've been really sick of the word resilience. <laughs> um, I'm just like, if, love someone, if someone calls me resilient one more time, I'm just, oh my God. Like, I'm just like, I don't want to be resilient anymore, you know? Like, yeah. that's like such a feeling that I've been feeling, and... Um, and it's interesting to, like, this is kind of, like, going on a slightly different direction, but, like, uh, um, the example that you gave was so interesting, too, the, uh, the way that, like, um, when, like, someone doesn't like someone, what someone else is doing, like, you can talk about it in a community and still hold yourself, hold each other accountable, but, um, not in, like, a policing way, and especially, like, a kicking out way, because I feel like that's what, like cancel culture does a lot of the time especially within like queer communities mm. um and um like yeah. I, i've been like reading kai chung tom's uh book i don't know if you know her mm-hmm. um she's like this uh trans uh trans poet slash like kind of healing worker person um who like uh wrote this book called i i hope we choose love mm. um and she also like um she like uh went to like uh, lived in Montreal and was oh. in the like Montreal queer community, so it's like, like a yeah, lot of what she Montreal. talks about. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, like she also grew up in Vancouver and stuff, and yeah. like lived in Toronto's for a bit. But yeah, anyways, um, and like so, I feel like it's really interesting how she talks about the queer community specifically in like Montreal because it is like resonant with like all queer communities specific mm-hmm. specifically like what we see in montreal um which is that like um when someone uh you know uh basically does something violent to someone else mm-hmm. um is sexually or uh, in a, a domestic abuse way um within relationships and yeah. queer communities like um oftentimes like um the community honestly like sees how it escalates you know like sees how it like starts from like one little aggressive thing to like um the victim basically having to name them out um and um but then like they don't uh, stop or like we don't stop it like when it's happening so much as like when it has already happened and mm. there's already a victim and then we just like right. um we just like kick the, the abuser um like out right. of the community and then that person is just like forgotten about and cast mm. away um and she talks about how obviously this is a com- complicated conversation but how like 
um, if you know her people, her people, and a lot of the queer community are her people, uh, then how uh, how do we just expect people to be uh, perfect? And like, uh, if we cast them away immediately when they uh, uh, have done something horrible um, because they were hurt themselves and in a way we have en- enabled them mm. to do so like um, as, then how do we as a community like become like n- not hurt people mm-hmm. but heal people and not hurt each other mm-hmm. and I think that's such an interesting um, conversation that not is not talked about enough and I guess is uh, hasn't been really uh like resolved um in a lot of ways um but yeah so that's like uh, the circle i i i don't know if like anything as serious as like sexual abuse would have been uh dealt the same way but um uh but that circle that you were talking about it seems very interesting to me Yeah. yeah yeah it's super interesting and i definitely need to learn more about it as well like it was very very new for me i feel like i was definitely sucked into for a lot of my life like the whole mm-hmm. approach as like that understanding that like zero tolerance means yeah. not right. addressing it and like if you right. get the person out right. Right. but that's like such a surface level way of looking mm-hmm. at issues like this especially yeah. like gendered issues and like things like that that are so like systemic and that like the community needs to hold like it's it's a community issue, you know. It's not like a yeah. personal one one v one kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, and even like looking at it very like I guess more. I hate saying intersectional now. It's no, just really no. Stupid. I just I hate it. It's just been taken <laughs> over by everyone. <laughs> but playing it more intersectionally, um, reminding me because our neighbors were playing the baby, and I don't know if you guys like heard of the whole like you know scandal that happened. The uh, baby. Really familiar, but. but yeah. Anyways, he just like said, um, there's like a video that got leaked from one of his concerts where he's just saying really, um, really homophobic things, mm-hmm. just like not good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was this like weird kind of moment where it was like you know, all like. All of the gay community was like, you know, like trying to, they were like, they're like canceling him. They're like, don't listen to him. Like he's cut off, but whatever. And he got dropped from a lot of these different um, music festivals and all these different things. But then it started getting really weird because it's like, you know, he's a black man, right? And so it was just like a bunch of these like white queer people being like Ooh. trashing on him, saying to cancel him. And it was just like got really toxic really mm-hmm. fast, the ways in which the he- they were talking about him. And it was just really interesting to me because it was just like, you know, obviously everything he said, yeah, like you, that, that's just, it's fucked up, you know? But it's, I felt like so much that this like really could have been a gentler lesson or a learning moment or something Yeah. Um, in, in that way because it was just like, I just don't know if like the approach is like all together canceling dropping and trashing on a black man is just like the move here you know like I was just like mm-hmm. I, that doesn't feel like you know what creating a better world is you know yeah and so yeah I don't know it's just not to get in too yeah. much dive and deep no. into cancel culture but like it's 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 such an important part of it because it's like and I feel like cancel culture gets like just thrown around so much yeah. these days so that, that word too kind of irritates me but like yeah. So we got a list. It's resilience, cancel culture, <laughs> intersectionality, <laughs> no-go list. <laughs> yeah. 
but I, yeah, and it's just more, I guess, like, you know, the binary, binary thinking of it's like either this person's in or they're out, you know, yeah. either this person's good or bad, this person's right or wrong, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. colonization is so deeply embedded within all of us, like, we yeah. are all going to make mistakes, we are all going to say fucked up shit for various, like, reasons, Yeah, mm-hmm. hopefully not, but... It reminds me of what you were saying a few minutes ago about how resistance needs to include, maybe I'm projecting a bit, mm-hmm. how resistance needs to include like radical imaginaries right, and like, thinking right. about yeah. what the world, what you want the world to look like yeah. rather than like mm-hmm. only what you hate about the world. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, like I hate a lot about like <laughs> what the world looks like, but I totally agree with you. Like in imagining what does a world look like where we deal with issues understanding that people hold trauma and that there's like really deep roots with all this stuff going on like you were talking about that case I I feel like that relates to that like understanding well how does race play a role in like homophobia in this case and like that kind of thing and like how does that relationship I don't know um so I think imagining what a world looks like where we like have like there's just like a softer way of going about things um and like taking time so it's not rushed because I feel like the way the, the mo- internet moves the, yeah. name, the way the internet moves and the way that a lot of like you were saying like the Montreal queer community maybe is like just getting somebody out feels like mm-hmm. the most efficient way to do it right mm-hmm. whereas it, it takes more right. effort and energy right. and time and a lot of time we like we don't give ourselves the time or we're not allowed the time to to do yeah. that work because it is work it's like emotional work and other stuff like that to um yeah, to, it requires like emotional depth yeah and honestly maturity like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's so interesting and i think that it's so interesting that you brought up the word efficiency because yeah. it that's just like so key to that you know like because oh it's like because it's the easiest yeah. thing to like do the, to yeah literally capitalism is like how can we get this thing done in the most efficient productive mm-hmm. way possible you know yeah. but it's like yeah, yeah it's like if you want if you want to, like, dismantle systems, you have to also dismantle the ways in which, like, systems are so deeply embedded to the ways that we move, you know? We're not trying to get rid of people efficiently, you know? Like, we're trying to, like, create space where there can be time, yeah. And that's, like, I mean, to bring it back to line three a bit, there's, like, part of the reason why the pipeline is finished right now is because... Enbridge was basically paying people to work like 24 hours a day oh like it was just day and night like they had floodlights to right. like light up the work areas like talk about efficiency right like they were just embodying they're like the perfect example right. of like a capitalist machine yeah. and like maybe some like NGOs or like other environmental groups would be like oh like widen to the resistance movement indigenous led resistance movement like why didn't you also work 24 hours a day right. to block like, this, like, do not care about, like, right. the future, like, that kind of thing, and, like, there's, I think we have a hard time seeing the value in taking time to do other things that aren't just, like, going, going, that, how dare you, like, not all locked down, like, all the time, like, no, like, yeah. you, it's so much work that you don't see, and so much work that's valuable, and again, like, the sustainability thing, like, you might not see the hours of work put in to make sure this was a sustainable thing but I promise you the seeds are sown for many more people mm. to play the long game right. and understand how to do this sort of thing right. so even though the fight against line three obviously it's really heartbreaking 
to know that oil is flowing through um like there there are other fights there are other elements of the fight that are going on right now like there's going to be there's a dc action that happened yesterday where like over a hundred people were arrested which is like crazy and there's going to be more things that happen that do look more like what liberal ngos kind of view success to be Mm -hmm. um but the seeds are sown and those are equally as important as time spent doing what looks productive and efficient to stop the pipeline in my opinion and Mm -hmm. I don't know I think I think it's also uh, talking about a race element I think it's also important again to acknowledge that like it it affects all of us because it's the climate crisis and like this is a really horrible thing for the climate crisis but it's also like people's livelihoods and it's an emotional thing because it's it's on people's homelands and like where their families have been for generations so that adds a whole other layer of like condescension like how dare you not be working more to do this thing like bro (laughs) just trying to like survive you know i don't know that's just i I can't and bridge is like the perfect encapsulation of like this capitalist nightmare in my opinion mm-hmm. and a lot of the people that are against that are, that were a part of the fight that I got to meet are people who work on that stuff but that also work on building like uh like workers cooperatives and farming cooperatives and really sustainable ways of doing like food and housing and other things like that like they're really building the world that they want to see while also resisting line three which is like Mm. important and not everyone can do that but i think that's like so cool especially for people who have the resources to do that kind of work i know there's people in montreal that do that kind of stuff too um just like building infrastructure so that people can turn to that this is getting into yeah, more, even like, like community garden exactly like yeah, they're yeah. really key and there's mm-hmm. i don't know i haven't read this whole book so i don't i'm giving a cautionary recommendation mm-hmm. um but there's a book called socialism seriously which has one chapter in it that basically goes really in depth like a day in this person's imagining of what like a socialist ideal world could look like from their perspective right um and it's really helpful which is helpful because if you do kind of the concrete because i feel like i I feel like socialism can be quite abstract for a lot yeah and like Mm -hmm. people don't don't really understand what that tangibly means and i feel like people are also kind of scared of that word and scared about what that you know means because i feel like the ways in which it's been made so taboo and stuff but yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's very interesting Sorry, I didn't mean to go to political science kid on you. No, no. I think, yeah. I think so much of the left really is just socialism in so many ways, but just if we don't say that, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I feel like it's it's it is really important to see, like, what that idea looks like, um in practice because it's like I feel like sometimes when in conversation with people who uh, say that they're socialist or like Marxist or communist or or, uh, like anarchist or whatever it's just like all about like breaking systems down but then it's like okay but then like what is left (laughs) like um and like what or like what do we do instead like what are what is the system that you're gonna build instead um and i think it's okay to like know that something is bad without having a distinctive idea i agree yeah i do think that it's I, i think that it's also really useful to like build these 
infrastructures and build small microcosms Mm -hmm. of what you want the world to look like. And then, I I don't know, I think it's impactful. And I think it's not, I think it's important in and of itself because you're you're helping people and you're building community. But at the same time, you're giving people an example to look to be like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is how we could do things instead. Like, this is a real thing. Because so much of the conservative commentary against line three and against other things is like, well, you drive a car, you, (laughs) those mentalities like really are rooted in the fact that like other alternatives are seen as improbable and impossible Mm. and showing people that thing like even I'm thinking about like my own family like showing them how like a cooperative can work or like that kind of thing they're like Mm. "Mm, this there are other ways to do things that are more ethical in my opinion Mm. um and that like it's not just something for 20 somethings who can run around the world like you can build a community that's more stable you can have a family in a mm-hmm. more sustainable ethical community um i don't know that's kind of a, a tangent but i'm a really big believer in cooperatives <laughs> and like uh the way that that can show people what an anti-capitalist like infrastructure and community can look like yeah well yeah did you want to say anything more or um like or I guess we can talk about, uh, if you want to talk about, like, the sort of aftermath of, like, your court case and how that's been, uh, definitely been toying yeah. you, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Um, I'm happy to talk a bit about that. So I have, like, two ongoing court cases right now. Oh, really? Two? Yeah. Uh, so that's fun. Um, and by fun, I mean not very fun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've, I, and there's people that have more than two and there's people that have higher charges like in the long Mm -hmm. run I'm pretty lucky Mm -hmm. with with what I'm dealing with um so I have a public defender which is like the free lawyer that you get if you don't have enough money to pay for an actual lawyer Mm -hmm. Um, but something that's kind of interesting is that there have been over 900 arrestees for line three at least in Minnesota um and because of that and over 500 or something of them being in one county where my cases are also mm-hmm. there was actually a public there is a public defender crisis currently in that oh, county right. because normally these counties think about it it's like resi- like a few thousand residents yeah. maybe mm, they get right. a few DUIs a year like they're yeah. they don't have the infrastructure speaking of infrastructure to handle all of this right. of course it's their fault they're the ones arresting us <laughs> like I'm not gonna make any apologies for that yeah, like they didn't yeah. have to arrest all yeah, yeah. Um, but they and they're also like citing people with no need and like that kind of thing so um, there's a public defender crisis and I was actually with many other people left without a lawyer for many many weeks Oh, wow. which is like not something that's normal and is something that is like protected in the constitution like you're not supposed to be able to have that um, so we're really like overwhelming the court system there Okay. And interestingly enough, I think this is also something in Canada, the courts aren't really even designed to take people through the entire trial process. Oh. They're supposed to be designed so that most people take a plea deal. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So with line three defendants, there's a lot of politics that go into whether people are going to take plea deals or not. Right. And this is something that, again, like, even though the word intersectional is, like, whatever, Mm -hmm. there is an intersectional aspect of it because, like, if you 
have a better plea deal because of some reason or another like a lot of times having to do with like even though you're supposed to get the same plea deal like your Mm -hmm. whiteness your affluency whatever it is you need to leverage that and help people who have a less great plea deal okay and a lot of it is like giving up a privilege that you're like seeing people like having to give up this concrete like time money and that's what a lot of people don't see like they see people locking down to shit and like Mm. doing like just going off with that kind of stuff but a lot of the direct action work actually happens after the action right like within the legal system like my citations are from June and July of this year and I'm still in the pre-trial phases so trial might not even happen if it does happen until 2022 so speaking of the politics of time it's like the time that you spend with your lawyer when I didn't have a lawyer it was like fighting for a lawyer I had to write my I didn't have to I chose to like write my own motion to file for dismissal because I didn't have a lawyer I was like Mm -hmm. this is bullshit like this is not okay and other people did that too yeah so within my court cases i'm kind of in an i'm still in the middle of things mm-hmm. again i'm still dealing with misdemeanors so okay the the most that's at stake i think is like 90 days in jail is like what they can do for a misdemeanor which is still like a scary thing not to have it's a lot of time and like the something that happened about a month ago was somebody who was in my arrestee group actually Mm -hmm. ended up going to trial because he was somebody that they could identify easily because he was actually this is all public which is why i'm saying it he was actually a police liaison which is something that is designated in order for things to be safer for there to be like one person usually a white man who Who talks to the police and so he was easily identifiable and they he went to trial and he actually got jail time for his first misdemeanor Whoa. which is like crazy like that's not something that happens yeah and he got convicted for i think it was like public nuisance or like one of these like bullshit charges unlaw presence at an unlawful assembly um and to make measures worse usually you get convicted you have some time and then you go to jail like you don't go to jail right from the courtroom okay but they 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 took him right from jail oh right from the God. courtroom to Whoa. jail which is like horrible 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 stuff and like you know he's not that much older than us he's like just somebody that is seeing the world being ravaged by this horrible company who Mm -hmm. by the way Enbridge is also oh my gosh this is a whole other thing I don't know if you want to get into it but Mm -hmm. Enbridge is actually like essentially paying the police departments that are arresting people for oh like three what's um, uh, oh, right, right, building right, so right. i'm just like just i guess what i'm kind of describing right now is like how the police and enbridge and line three resistance people land offenders water protectors yeah. interact with each other yeah. in these like couple of counties because it's really horrible and a, a mind-boggling sort of like ecosystem of how people are moving around each other mm-hmm. right but basically enbridge is providing reimbursements for the police departments in these areas to get things like riot gear and oh. like that sort of thing and like more paying them overtime to surveil resistance camps Jeez. so like for example at the resistance camp that i was at there's like helicopters that fly over wow. a lot and like a police car is pretty much 
sitting like half a mile, mile, excuse me, um, the American is showing, <laughs> um, sitting a little bit outside the camp at all times, pretty much. And that is all paid for by Enbridge because they know what's coming their way and they reimburse the police departments, which is like, I don't, it, it shouldn't be legal and yeah. it's being fought right now. But that's like an insane, it, it's incentivizing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's also like again interesting like going back to you're talking about like politics of time like yeah. it's like the uh, the construction going 24 hours yeah. uh and then police also going almost yeah. 24 hours exactly. uh, like uh surveilling you guys and then you guys not doing the 24 hours like somehow being bad like yeah exactly um, yeah and you know people are working extremely hard but like the the i again i have never this is the first time in my life that has been the first time in my life that I really felt surveilled in that way which is like a huge privilege like I came from an affluent Chicago suburb like that was never something that I experienced like there just really was very very little police presence Mm -hmm. so this was like really my first time interacting with the police Mm -hmm. um in any way especially in a way where they're like confronting you like trying to get you to say things or do things and like the first time that I spoke with the police officer was when I was being pulled over and I didn't know whether my friends had been arrested behind me like where I had left them and it turns out they they had been after that but I was just like like it, it's so antagonistic which of course like no one's surprised like yeah it's the police yeah. Yeah. um but I think for a lot of white people coming into camp it's like a new experience for them mm-hmm. which doesn't mean that it's like should be glorified or whatever it's just like interesting to watch people go through that process and it just yeah. be like oh this is like how a lot of the world experiences law enforcement yeah, and like n- not knowing what to say back to that antagonistic talk i'm sure is exactly because even if you think you're very like a good yeah. speaker like i'm sure it's like very like hard to speak in that environment when someone's just like exactly all of a sudden I could feel my like I think it's also a gendered thing like I could feel my little like customer service like meek girl voice going on being like oh like everything's fine and like I didn't mean to like I'm like oh I'm ready to go I have all like I have people standing behind me and then all this authority that you've been trained to like submit to your whole life just like turns on it's like all these things that I don't know yeah yeah all these things you didn't even realize you had inside you Mm. come out when Mm. you're in that situation and the police are also trained to um to like get information out of you yeah yeah so so that's also I mean they're always trained to do that um but this is just again I'm kind of like describing the ecosystem of like what this looks like um and it's a very weird thing like there were definitely like illegal things happening and since I have left Minnesota police have been using what is essentially torture to people who are locked down like pain they call it pain compliance which is like a I don't know there's there's a lot of horrible things utilize language I know I know and and I'm saying all this like with the same tone because I don't know I'm saying with this this with this this with the same tone but it's like really horrible stuff like yeah to say like pain but then compliance i know in the same way like com- as if someone is like 
complying rather than you making them comply yeah and it's also people who are like like you're locked down to something so like you don't like you're an unarmed person Mm -hmm. and you don't like there's no reason for the police to do these things other than like state repression and intimidation yeah um and like it's all under the guise of like i said like law and order and that kind of thing so like there's there's a lot of really horrible things going on against land defenders and like water protectors and all this stuff and it all goes to show like how much profit is valued like over people's well-being and especially like the Anishinaabe people who's who this pipeline is like being built right through their land um so I don't know there's not really a straight through line I'm just kind of like describing things so I'll stop talking there (laughs) yeah um I don't know yeah, there's there's lots there, but I the, the fight is still definitely going on, mm-hmm. and like I said, like the seeds have been sown. I think for a lot of people, mm-hmm. like a like Standing Rock was a fight that like happened for a really long time and is like still being fought. Yeah. And there's these mo- <laughs> there's these moments that are more visible and less visible, um, but the pain component. Oh, is that your doorbell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, is that someone's alarm or something like that? Yeah, no, it's like, it's it's a very um, d- large... I wonder if the microphone caught... Oh, it definitely is. I got it! No, it definitely <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because in the last episode, too, I think we could hear, like, them talking outside. Um, anyways, um, like, uh, I guess... Like, I want to ask, like, how you feel about all of this happening, like, the bureaucratic side of, like, all of it, and also, like, the possible jail time, but also, obviously, if you don't want to talk about that, that's also so fun, yeah. like, um, um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm sorry, bless you, bless you, bless you, <sighs> mm-hmm. um, I think I feel complicated about it, no one is surprised, I think, I mean, on the one hand, I kind of switch violently between um, feeling like this is not like let me let me amend that. I think I go back and forth between like extreme apathy about not apathy, but like feeling like you know what the world's falling apart. Like, like I don't care if I, I do like, jail time yeah. if that's what I have to do. Like right. jail time is what I'm gonna have to do. Like right. no fucking way am I pleading guilty to something that I didn't do. Right. Like all this shit, and then right. I go back and forth the other side of being like the there's a such thing as a criminal record and there's such thing yeah. as like not being able to get back to school in Canada like as an international student right and like I'm a fourth year student like how much do I want to risk these years of education that I've put in mm. and, and not being back, able to graduate or not yeah. being able to graduate and then again I switch back and forth being like well the world's ending yeah, <laughs> like, this is right here. <laughs> like how much does my education at McGill yeah. like a school named after a slave owner like really compare to like fighting yeah. for the land and all this stuff and fighting in solidarity with indigenous people like especially as a settler like I think that's really important mm-hmm. um as as many other people do um so it's really like it's it's one of those things that just swings back and forth yeah, a lot and is something that I'm trying to figure out and um I think there is a middle ground in how we go about this cuz um I think there's a lot of like 
like you have to be strategic about it in a way mm-hmm. like having everyone thrown in jail doesn't do the movement any good you know yeah. and like we have plea deals on the table most of us yeah and so the question is just like how can we leverage that to help the people that are the most vulnerable yeah. right without just being like i'm a martyr i'm a white savior <laughs> i'm gonna go to jail for a month and i have contributed so much to the movement like yeah. no like that's not like if you really want to help a lot of the time it's like doing that beard like making spreadsheets and when to meets and like all this shit that like is behind the scenes mm-hmm. it's all super not glamorous it's not glamorous yeah. it's not glamorous like yeah. but that's like there's a lot of not glorified work that mm-hmm. goes into organizing um and a lot of really pe- like amazing people who are talented at that kind of thing that aren't the kind of like picture of the movement per se but that do right. really important work like that yeah that really, like reminds me of um i, I was uh, just gonna say like what like <laughs> are you gonna say the sorry you two you okay, okay, okay. <laughs> i was i was saying like um like you know the the guy in the good place and jane fonda like the guy in the good place and jane fonda like got arrested for protesting and oh, yeah. something cause that I don't right, remember right. and like and then and they're like smiling in the arrest like photo while like right, cops right, are right, around right. them or something like that and like they're also like in like really nice clothing for yeah, yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that and then I remember like Twitter blowing up being like oh my god Jane Fonda and this guy is so cool they got yeah. they like care about this cause and they got arrested yeah. and blah blah and then but then not talking about how like uh, they're probably one of the f- uh, few people there who um, are right, like um, right, right, right. are not gonna get affected by that at all, and like they're white, and there were so many other protesters who probably were not smiling when they yeah. got arrested, and are very scared of the police, and yeah. have have like um, a lot more consequences ahead of or not consequences right. like like um uh like you know like things. That are terrible, and like how like Jane Fonda could definitely just like pay the fine and yeah, just like you know exactly. get out of that situation. Um, um, and yeah, and also sorry, I just want to say also like just for editing. Um, yeah. it's, uh, you said earlier that you go to McGill. Do you want that edited out? Oh, lols. Um, lols. <laughs> <laughs> like I think maybe that's. This is good. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's okay, okay to keep it. I think that's okay to keep it. Okay. 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 Just want to thank ask. you. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. I just wanted to do it within the recording so Future Ty can hear it. Thank you, know? you Future Ty. So, anyways. Thank yeah. you, Future Ty. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you were Yeah. Just I, I was saying, I love Jane Fonda, though. I think she just has a, such a succinct brand. <laughs> like, she's just very. She was at Line 3. Oh, exactly. Yeah, okay. She was there. That's what I'm That's saying, like, too. It's like, yeah, yeah. And I think what I res- what I think I respect the most about Jane Fonda, too, because, mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's always, like, issues. I don't think that she's, like, a perfect person like, yeah, as a course, figure. Yeah. But I just think that, like, you know, a lot of, like, those stars, activists, like only maintain that when they were younger mm. but for Jane Fonda that's why you guys synced brand yeah, for yeah, her to yeah. carry she's this consistent. on she's consistent that's what I was like <laughs> if Jane Fonda is anything <laughs> she's consistent with yeah, where yeah, she yeah. stands you I know and she like is like she's like older now and she's still like on this yeah. shit you know and there's something mm. kind of cool about that because I'm like yeah like I feel like a lot of like the younger activist star people from like the 60s or the 70s when like mm 
being political was like you know cool or whatever yeah. like dropped it after a while because they're like oh I'm old now like yeah. I just, whatever but she's yeah. like no I'm like sticking with this <laughs> so appreciated and like especially in the climate movement when you're like older folks like really aren't gonna be affected by this as much as we are mm. and like to have older people in the climate movement is like it's so meaningful like for that exact reason where you're like you're still going at this like you don't need to be yeah Jane Fonda does not need to be doing anything <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, um I totally agree with that and I, I had I had something to mention about what you were saying about um like the option to like just pay it off and that kind of thing and I wanted mm. to acknowledge that also the people, even though people were arrested very brutally and, like, there was a lot of violence that went on there mm-hmm. it, outside and inside the jails, people with Line 3 still had a lot more, uh, like, resources than people who are, like, incarcerated yeah, because normally. because of how, like, advertised the... Or advertised exactly. Promoted, the, promoted like, the, the just, um, donations were, yeah. Exactly. And they have a whole network of people, like, supporting them mm-hmm. outside the jail, like, making sure they get out, making sure they have stuff, like, someone to right, call. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I just wanted There's to acknowledge that. Because, like, it wasn't like yeah. we were thrown in a separate jail. Like, we were... People were thrown in jails where there were, like, people incarcerated mm-hmm. just, like, for other charges. And that was, like, a huge thing that was focused on as well, was, like, solidarity with the people that you're incarcerated right, with. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. I just wanted to mention that, because, like, I don't know, that's, like, a really important thing. No, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. And even yeah. just to have the choice of, like, do I take a plea bargain or do I not take mm-hmm. a plea bargain? Like, to have a hundred bucks to throw in for a plea bargain is, like, not something that everyone has in, mm-hmm. and, like, yeah. you're essentially put in jail for not having that money if you don't, if you don't have the ability to do that. Or, yeah. like, I have the privilege of, like, having other people to talk with or like legal advisors with the right, groups. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Otherwise like if you're just stuck with a PD, like they could just be a shitty PD and they just, can say anything to you and you don't fucking know. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So like huge solidarity for people that are like incarcerated without mm-hmm. that kind of network system and like I hope that us being not us, like I wasn't in jail, but I hope that people in jail with them like really try to show solidarity and be like, mm-hmm. hey, do you need anything? Like, can we send you anything? Exactly right. Um, yeah, because I, I also remember like even before I heard um, that you were there, like I was hearing about it um, on TikTok actually. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because um, uh, well specifically like um, there was like a part of witch talk uh, ah. who like um, specific chaotic witch on who I really love and witch of Wander- wanderlust. Um, like um, I they love were. Uh, I know. Um, and um, uh, they were like basically making TikTok videos like um, promoting uh, the donation like um, number or the link and things mm-hmm. like that and like um, it was like really fun too because it was like um, and obviously not a fun subject but they were like uh, oh like uh, you know what's sexy and then like <laughs> donating to help water protectors <laughs> and, like, uh, and like it's and like some people were even making like thirst traps like TikToks and literally doing God's work um, and um yeah it's like really interesting yeah yeah i was also seeing to speak about um witch talk and Mm -hmm. politics and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and seeing i really like the stuff where they're like 
like do they do like collective like prayers and stuff like yeah. that or collective like hexing it's yeah. so awesome yeah yeah no I mean like a lot of people were saying even like during the elections like um that it was like a collective prayer that's right. like, what happened or mm-hmm. um or that like um I don't know in the fires in California or something like that they were like oh let's like collective prayer like make the fire go down or something yeah, yeah. it's so interesting yeah um and like I I feel like I've gotten to the point, too, where it's just, like, I feel bored about shitting on social media all the time. Like, I'm, like, mm. this conversation isn't interesting to me anymore. I'm, like, I'm definitely more interested in, like, although, yes, surveillance, we need to talk about the issues of fundamentally of what social media is created upon. But I'm yeah. just, like, the ways in which people are using social media is just, like, so cool. Yeah. I'm, like, wow. Completely. Yeah, and a lot of organizing is like designed, like it's designed with social media in mind, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're like, how can this be ex- accessed by people who aren't here, especially during COVID? Like, can't just like pack up and go to the front lines in any circumstances, but like especially during COVID. So, the online organizing aspect is huge, especially now that the front lines are like not what they were over the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that I, I I have to admit I'm not as in tune with witch talk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, but it's not for everyone. But collective prayer and like collective stuff in general is totally my jam in general. Yeah. So there was a lot of like spirituality at line. Like there's yeah. a lot of spiritual yeah, elements. With indigenous to it. collectives, I'm sure it, it's totally something, yeah. And also outside, like out there was a pretty heavy Jewish community at, at the front lines as well, which is, like, super random, but, like, also not. Jews love to resist. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was also really cool for me, like, being a part of a, I don't know, I'm, like, pretty, I, I like being a part of Jewish community, and, like, mm-hmm. it was cool to also have healing practices that were, like, familiar to me, mm-hmm. like, while I was there, like, practicing Shabbat and, like, other ways of, like, because that's, like, Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I, like, don't know people know um yeah, yeah yeah but uh doing stuff like that was like really cool yeah. to have something like close to home and yeah. it was cool to experience things that were unfamiliar but yeah. like, everyone like everyone's culture like has healing practices embedded yeah. in mm-hmm. them and like um, and, and think, jewish witches are also a thing like, oh yeah kind of yeah and i think yeah. like so many almost all religions have a mystical component yeah. to oh, it yeah. that, you know like you know the kabbalah and stuff like that yeah. and you know, Sufism for Islam and mm-hmm. fuck. What's the, what's the Christian mysticism? There's a name for it. <laughs> Christian mysticism. I have no idea. Yeah, there's a name for it. Fuck, I, I forgot about it. But yeah, like every yeah. religion has a mystic component yeah. for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I kind of want to ask like a last question. Sure, if yeah. you're okay with that, okay. Um, um, was which was like considering how much this um, movement is about protecting water um, and I and we always find that like water is a very spiritual right. thing I guess I want to ask what does water mean to you? I know oh that's a gosh. very like that's a, that's a really that's good question so cool. but... oh my lord yeah water is um, like I mean it comes down to like water is life and like water is mm-hmm. like water is everything like we can't be human beings without water mm-hmm. we can't have our livelihoods without it and water also like exemplifies everything in our system in North America right now that like causes that like is disparity for people mm-hmm. like people who don't have access to water it's like by design people who do have access to clean water it's by design and so it's just like a perfect 
example of like something that can bring so much abundance but also so much scarcity at the same time Mm -hmm. um but also you know like I grew up by Lake Michigan so like water also brings like a lot of beautiful memories to me Mm -hmm. like just being by the water and like the feeling of refreshment that that brings so I don't know it's kind of like a double-edged sword because I have so many positive memories but also I can't help but think of the people who don't have access to like clean water for their own bodies but also like for recreation and like all the beautiful things that water can bring but um so I guess it's like a very mixed bag but I love that question (laughs) and water is definitely like a very very religious thing Mm -hmm. um and like a healing thing and um I don't know I think about like summer 2020 I was at home like at the start of the pandemic and like water was like the place where we would go like when we didn't have anything else to do like by like Michigan and then summer 2021 kind of like full circle in that way there would be water areas that we would go like from the resistance camps to like wash up and like do that kind of thing and like it was just place it was a place that like when you left it you felt rejuvenated and like healed and clean and good and cooled off at the most basic level yeah um and I, I just, I want to live in a world where everyone has access to, like, clean yeah. water. And I don't know. So that's what water means to me. It's very, it's a good question. I wish I had a more spiritual answer to it. I think I No, that's to. definitely. <laughs> that is very spiritual. Yeah. And, like, just concerning how, like, in the, in the last, um, ooh, the past, like, uh, Canadian election when they were literally yeah. debating, like, um, can uh, should indigenous people get oh clean water like before <laughs> before the vote and i was just like why yeah. <laughs> like no, why it's a, it's a basic human right yeah. yeah yeah and i think that there's something so and i think why you know people like swimming in the ocean or even like hearing waves or being around yeah. water i think the water is such a primal mm-hmm. yeah. like thing and like when you're within it or near it there's just something like really like primal in you that gets kind of like awoken because i feel like i always just like I've been thinking about, like, what does it mean to, like, be, like, a bot? Because I feel like I've just been feeling body lately. And that Mm. basically means when, like, I just feel like I'm, like, jumping from task to task to task. And I'm just, like, this little machine that's working and stuff. Um, But I'll always say to, like, unbot myself. I just, like, need to go. Like, I need to have a shower or be in water. Or, like, even just, like, in the presence of water. Because it's just so, like... There's just something so unbottled-like about yeah. water. Like, it's just, like, this fluidity yeah. and this impossibility to be put into it a box. It electrocutes the bot inside you. It literally electrocutes... <laughs> literally, oh my god, that's such a good metaphor. That's such a good metaphor. literally electrocutes so the bot inside of me because it's just so primal. Like, there's just yeah. nothing like it. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's hilarious. <laughs> um... I love it. I love it. I should talk more about water. We should talk more about yeah. water. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much there. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should check out. Yeah, yeah. I was just... So our checkout question, uh, which we do actually keep every episode, <laughs> is um, what is bringing you joy currently? Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, we're, like, talking about water, and then I, I think my mind goes right to, like, food. <laughs> I, my roommates and I was like, I think like a lot of people 
cooked a lot during the pandemic Mm -hmm. so something that's really really important to me is just like long meals with people that I care about Mm -hmm. and like not like a quick and not wrapping down that brush like in my family it was like growing up we would we would we were quick eaters don't get me wrong but then it's like you eat for 20 minutes and then you sit for two hours kind of thing yeah yeah yeah, so like that kind Mm -hmm. of thing where you just sit and let the conversation flow and drink some wine or nibble at some desserts like those kinds of meals even if it's just like twice a week ideally it's every night but (laughs) even if it's just twice a week like those kinds of times with food especially good food people I love like that's 10 out of 10 Mm -hmm. and talking to my little brother he's a dweeby little 16 year old so (laughs) I really like him um so good I love siblings that love each other (laughs) and I have a sister too but (laughs) I can't leave her out of the picture um but yeah no I I feel very very lucky to have the like good Mm -hmm. network so I would say good food good people combination of both chef's kiss nice how about you guys? Do you have an yeah. answer to that? Or are you supposed to answer that? Uh, yeah. Um, wait. I, I need to think for a second. Okay. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Do you want to go first? Because I'm not sure. Or we can also <laughs> take a second. Like, there can be, there um, can be a pause. In the- I can go first. I mean, okay. The first one I guess I, like, already said. I live by, um, like, Ontario. Oh, nice. And I always, like, have a spot where I bike to, and the waves are really nice. And, yeah, it's just so awesome. I feel like I was just, like, listening to the waves crashing. I cry a little. I was just, like, getting in my emotions um, because I was, like, home um, in Toronto this um, long weekend. So that was really nice. Also, the other thing that I'm grateful for is my cousin adopted a new, like, kid in because... human-like about its eyes and it's very like quiet oh. but I'm like you have an inner world I can tell. I'm like what is going on in that head um but yeah that was really fun to visit with that kitten mm-hmm. okay um there's um there's like a couple little things I think um it, mm, right now um it's probably um like sunny fall weather um because it's really nice when like it's like fall weather but it's like sunny out and that's really nice with the leaves changing um rude (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah um and also it's really cute how like um like my cat sleeps on my bed a lot and like it's like right by the window and sometimes like when her um, I don't know if you saw my cat when coming in here or not, but like um, she has like white fur and like um, when the sunlight like um, 
is like shown on her white fur and like her like amber eyes it's like really pretty and like glowy and I just love that so angelic yeah I know (laughs) Um, I just take a lot of pictures of her in the sunlight Um, and yeah she looks so floofy Mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming this has been so fun and amazing we're so happy Um, I know that we're keeping you secret but is there anything like work that you want to shout out or something or like if not don't worry you can also guy. say like if you know if you don't know that's also fine but like maybe like how people can like get involved yeah, in like a lot of protectors like yeah, or like donate yeah. to if you know off the top of your head that's also fun yeah fine if you don't yeah i think it's really important to find something that's local to your area ideally mm. yeah um i think that just like really helps yeah um if you're interested in line three stuff again like it affects the whole country so it's like local but not so local the whole continent world whatever yeah um i would follow the gnu collective g-i-n-i-w collective they're really really amazing women in two-spirit led collective you can also follow any like resist line three account or like that kind of thing there's Mm -hmm. loads of them but i would say follow the gnu collective you get kind of linked into a bunch of networks of people against line three um and then with that in canada there's a lot of work against banks that are funding the climate crisis which you can do anywhere so like banking for a better future is one of them quit rbc is one of them um and then depending on your area there's always a land defending or water protecting thing going on sadly but also like happy that people are resisting mm-hmm. um so i yeah find out what's going on in your area find out what indigenous communities need in your area mm-hmm. as if you're a settler and be a part of the reparations that need to happen even if the government or the state isn't leading them like we can be a part of that um, so that is what I would say. And then if you are a McGill student, I don't know if you have lots of stu- lots of listeners who are McGill students. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> some, some, I would say. Um, okay. Yeah, or, like, just Montreal in general. Um, totally. Yeah, there's, like, uh, mobilizing for MP or... Uh, it's again meals for Milton Park. Right, 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 right. What is it again? Montreal Solidarity. Some like what was is Network? that their handle? No, uh, like the mutual aid. Thing? Yeah, um, yeah, like the little. Um, sorry, not market thing. Like yeah, the stands that they do like every week. I can't remember. I'm so I, sorry. I, I don't know. It's fine. Right. <laughs> um, um, yeah, or um, uh, like re- resilience. Yeah, Montreal, resilience that's Montreal a big one. one. Yeah, they're also yeah. looking for fall and winter clothes yes. for the coming very cold winter. Yes. So if you want to donate, that's also good. I think those are great shout outs to make. <laughs> um, yeah, and thank you both for having me on. This was really, really really great so i really appreciate it <laughs> is this your first podcast that you've done yeah it is yay yay <laughs> pop the cherry <laughs> amazing okay anyways love you guys we'll see you next thursday bye bye before we end is recorded in jojage or montreal it is edited by Tai Hong and our theme song is by Lisi. It is hosted by Anchor. Thank you so much for listening.